I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The State of Recruiting is brought to you by 24-7 Sports and the Horns 24-7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 Network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. This week's episode of The State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined, as always, by Nick Harris. We've got a big show for you tonight, uh, but before we start, Nick, uh, before I ask you how it's going, it looks like you've got a nice little... Your setup's getting better. Um, well, I, I move into a different room for the podcast for, from now on. So. Oh, that's right. That's right. So you're using Colin, Colin Kennedy, who works for our Oklahoma site, who you live with. You're using his podcast equipment, huh? And is that his, uh, his uh, presidential chair you're sitting in? It, it is. It's quite comfy. Whenever he's not here, you know, you'll see me sitting in it. Uh, it it's too bad we don't have video on the podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll be getting that soon, actually, but I'll have to show you all my, my rink-a-dink setup. It's kind of funny, but uh, yeah, we're getting by with what we have. <laughs> yeah, we don't have video as of yet, but uh, we're told that could be coming soon. Um, all right, let's get right into the show. It's been uh, it's been a, a kind of a whirlwind type of week. Um, when we last left you, we gave you a little preview because we recorded the show last Wednesday, but obviously knew that Aaron Bryant would be making his commitment on Thursday. So we did have a little bit of a breakdown on Aaron Bryant at the end of last week's show, knowing that we would release it after Bryant committed. And that's always a sweat because like if I've recorded it and put it up and ready to broadcast at five and the kid decides to push his commitment back, then all of a sudden I got to take the show down and do a lot of editing. So shout out to Aaron Bryant for following through um, and getting the commitment done. Um, Texas continued to roll after Bryant. And I mean, all, all praise to Bo Davis at this point in time, who is red hot on the recruiting trail because right after Aaron Bryant committed, um, I talked to somebody at Texas who said, Hey, we're not done by the way. And uh, that came in the form of a commitment from Jure Bledsoe uh, on Monday, Nick, you you've kind of been all over the Bledsoe recruitment. Uh, just kind of talk about how it went down and, and, you know, your, uh, the, the way the, rec- the recruitment went. And then also, you know, I know you, uh, you and our good friend Guy Frazier were probably the first guys to ever really recognize Jure Bledsoe on the field uh, last season. Tell us that story if you'd like. Yeah, absolutely. We'll go back to uh, Halloween night last year. Um, so, yeah, me and my good friend Guy Frazier, he does some uh, part-time work for Dave Campbell's Texas. Our football. good friend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our good friend, absolutely. He's a friend of the show. Um, he hit me up about two days before uh, this random Saturday night during the uh, the midst of the Texas high school football season. 
he's like, hey, I got kind of a crazy idea for you. Let's go see Katie Taylor and Katie Made Creek uh, Saturday morning. And then our way back to Dallas, let's go see Bremond and Mark. I was like, hey, man, that sounds fantastic. I was able to go see Hayden Connor that morning, who was a Texas commit. Um, and then uh, see Bryce Foster as well in action. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And on our way back, we were just going to have some fun and see, you know, a random two-way game that, you know, generally is a, a pretty good game. So we get out to Mart, uh, phenomenal atmosphere, phenomenal place. And uh, we, we see this running back for Bremond, big number 99, about six foot four, 265 pounds. And he's just bowling through kids. Granted, Mart won that game by quite, quite a bit of points. Uh, but Jare Bledsoe definitely stood, up, stood out to us that night. And um, Guy, he went and talked to him after the game. And, you know, he had asked him, it's like, hey, is there are any schools talking to you right now? And he's like, yeah, Texas A&M. We were like, Texas A&M, like a college station? He's like, yeah. And so since then, we've just been kind of monitoring it and, and seeing where he was. Fast forward to uh, the state championships, and uh, we were sitting up in the press box, and uh, Dre Bledsoe got his first offer from Baylor. And I turned around to Guy, and I was like, guess we just got a Baylor offer. And we kind of had a good laugh about that. And then little did we know, in the next two to three weeks, he'd become one of the biggest recruits in the country. Uh, he had an offer, obviously, from Texas, Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, um, and then uh, it kind of hit a halt in, in February. Um, there had been some academic concerns that were brought to the table uh, just to, uh, with Dre's eligibility and whatnot. So, you know, a lot of schools had started to back off. Um, you know, as a result, he moved back to Marlin over the summer, uh, got really, uh, you know, in line with his academic work, caught up in summer classes. Um, and uh, right now he, he's working towards uh, enrolling early in January even. So he's really turned his academics all the way around. And, uh, you know, Texas really took notice of that. And they said, you know, hey, we're recruiting you just as hard as uh, we're recruiting anybody on the defensive line right now. And um, I, I think he really started to feel the love. And, um, you know, I think he was – Texas is one of the few schools that have really started to initiate contact again. And, uh, you know, he felt the love enough to go ahead and commit. Um, now, the UI – IL did uh, declare him ineligible for this upcoming season. They declared that his move to Marlin was for athletic purposes. And, uh, you know, however you, feel, uh, however you feel about that, that, that is what was ruled. And so he's, uh, he was looking to go ahead and commit before the season started, you know, uh, get, get working in the weight room and, uh, you know, get into a recruiting class so that he can focus on getting somewhere in January, hopefully. So that's what, that's what the plan is as of now. We'll be sure to stay on top of it to see where his academic situation is uh, and how, how far it's moving ahead if he can graduate in January. But it's definitely, a, a, uh, um, it, it's, uh, definitely encouraging that, you know, he's even on pace to possibly do something like that, just considering, you know, when I went up there to Bremond in February, I was really concerned about his academic situation. So I'm really glad that was able to turn around for him. And if we're talking about the player, Jarrett, Bledsoe, you know, this is a really athletic uh, d defensive tackle, defensive end type. I think he can play all across the line. Um, and, you know, I say athletic, obviously, because I saw him play running back for, you know, a full season at Bremont, and I went back and watched the film. I mean, he rushed for 1,600 yards, and you don't do that <laughs> unless you're a really athletic player. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he'll be able to get it done at the next level. Um, uh, and, you know, I'm really excited to see what he can do at Texas. Let's talk uh, again. I want to talk a little bit about the player and, and weigh it myself. And I also want to talk about, you know, the grades and all that situation. So, um, yeah, you know, I think I've said it a, a bunch of times. Texas was one of the only schools really recruiting Bled so hard. And I think that Bo Davis believed that if he could get his grades in order, he's a potential impact player up front. And 
when you watch the film, you see, you know, quick first step, but explosive first step, really violent hands, violent ability at the point of attack and all those things. Credit to them for doing it. And I think that, yeah, there's been a lot of discussion about, as there always is, to was this other school really recruiting him? And to me, if you feel that your evaluation on a player is good and you are going to get a good player, it doesn't really matter to me what other schools are recruiting him. Um, and I think, you know, if we want to talk about, because there's been some talk about character concerns with Bledsoe and things like that, I've talked to a number of people um, who know the kid or know the situation or, or at least know the recruitment who have all said, look, there's nothing big time character concerns. He's not a criminal. There's nothing like that. There's some influences around him that we're not wild about. And we'd like him to get out of, you know, that area and just kind of uh, start life new. And, and I think if you've ever recovered recruiting for five seconds, you know that there are kids like that in every class and every, you know, it, it, a lot of times if a kid doesn't come from a suburb or, um, you know, a, a better home situation, they probably have some kids around or some people around them that don't have their best interests at heart. And I think that happens in inner city Dallas and inner city Houston and um, you know, LA all over the country. So to me, if you understand the kid, the family, all those things, you know, kind of where things stand. Um, if you understand the great situation, yeah, I think you're taking a little bit of a risk, but I think in this case, they've shown the the player is worth the risk. And so um, kudos to Bo Davis, I think, for, for really sticking with that. And, um, you know, I, I think, Nick, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, it felt like Texas A&M may have had the, the early momentum in this race. And, um, you know, Texas just kind of kept plugging away. And, and Texas A&M, to their credit, is in on a number uh, – they're in on a number of nationally elite defensive linemen. So maybe they thought, you know what, it's best for us to move on and just focus on these guys. But – uh, to me, again, I mean, if you get a player like Bledsoe and he is who you believe he is, you, you, you kind of got to stick with that evaluation and, and go with it no matter what anybody else is doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, worst case scenario, which, you know, I hope this doesn't happen. I, I'm a big fan of Jure and I, I love the kid. But worst case scenario, you know, if his academic situation gets better of him and, you know, he's ineligible uh, looking from a Texas perspective, um, I think they're just going to be fine on the defensive line, which is kind of crazy because I think this time last year, I'm sure we talked about it on the podcast quite a bit, just about the in-state 2022 defensive line picture. Um, very top-heavy with guys like Bear Alexander and Amaria Bohr. But, you know, looking into the depths of it, you know, there wasn't much to choose from. And so Bo Davis did really great work going out and finding guys across the country. Um, Jare, David, or Jare Bledsoe and uh, uh, Chris Ross are the only two um, in-state defensive line commits right now. And, you know, that's probably going to be the only two that, that stick through unless Texas can make some moves with Amaria Bohr. So that just kind of proves that they've been able to, you know, recruit outside the state of Texas. And, you know, they got some dudes in that class. And we could talk about the next one, too. Yeah, before we do, I think it is important to remind everybody that um, because of COVID, basically, and, and when we're talking about academic situations, test scores don't really come into play right now. It's all about that core GPA. So all he has to do is really meet that minimum core GPA, and it is a, a little bit easier of a road to get in. Now, the concern at a school like Texas has never been about getting kids in. It's about keeping them eligible when you've got a great risk, and I think that'll be where we've really got to watch. Yeah, and the thing is, he's back in the classroom. Uh, you know, if anyone out there has kids, then they know how crazy it was, the, uh, the school situation last, uh, you know, school year. And so Bledsoe being back in the classroom and, you know, 
learning in person. I think that's going to help a lot with his grade situation as well. I think that's really what, what they had seen in the summer, uh, you know, kind of the difference between last school year and now. So hopefully that, that stays on the same track. So Jure Bledsoe was the we're not done yet to Aaron Bryant. And lo and behold, after Jure Bledsoe goes public, I get another text. We're not done or maybe not even done today. And uh, I start kind of digging around and the name Jamon Tapp starts coming up. And I've been hearing a lot about Jamon Tapp behind the scenes. I think that you know, he had called Texas a dream school. He had really positive feedback after his official visit. I had heard that Texas was in a better position than a lot of people thought, but it was really just hard for me to buy. And, and you know, a lot of that's a byproduct of what we've seen as some misread recruitments this year, I think, um, where I was a little skeptical. But um, once, you know, once the source told me, uh, hey, we think this is going to happen, and not only that, we think we're going to get it to happen tonight, um, you know, I, I kind of kicked into action and, uh, silly me, I, you know, I, I got a call and said, Hey, we're, I think this is going to happen in the next hour. Um, and I had just ordered dinner and was like, the dinner was just delivered to my house. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to eat the sandwich real quick and then I'll write the story. And I was about mid sandwich when I got a text that, um, tap had committed. So for me, Texas going into Louisiana and pulling a uh, a top 150 player in the country who LSU absolutely wanted and getting him to Austin is a huge win. I think probably to date the, the most significant thing anybody's done on the recruiting trail at Texas. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, when you look at tap, you see a guy who's really athletic, he's functionally athletic. He's super violent um, with his hands, gets into the backfield raw, you know, needs to learn a lot of technique and pad level and things like that. But man, when you look at what Texas has put together in the trenches on the defensive side of the ball, it's an impressive group. Yeah, I really like the the addition of Jay Montap. And, you know, you said it was kind of a guy that we had been hearing a lot behind the scenes and, you know, monitoring pretty closely. And, um, you know, this is, it, it kind of speaks against, you know, our crystal ball situation, but I just thought this was a funny tweet about a month ago. Um, there had been a couple LSU crystal balls that had gone in and, you know, Jamon's kind of funny. He, uh, he put on Twitter, he said, uh, I don't know what crystal balls mean, but Austin is the move. And, uh, you know, that ended up being, you know, pretty, uh, pretty truthful. Um, you know, he wasn't trying to fool anybody there. And um, it, it turns out Austin was the move for him. And you, you said it, you know, I, I feel like Bo Davis, it's, I, this is kind of a question for you, Mike. I, Stan Drayton obviously has done a great job in 2022 in grabbing, you know, arguably two of the best running backs in the state and Jamarian Miller and uh, Jadon Blue. Is Bo Davis the best recruiter on staff in 2022, though? I, I mean, when you're talking about hit rate, Stan Drayton has hit rate to the max. Um, but when you're talking about both quality and quantity, man, Bo Davis is really hit. And Bo, Bo wasn't the primary on Jamon Tapp. Um, it was really – this was really more of a Pete Kwiatkowski – uh, and Terry Joseph recruitment. Bo absolutely pitched in. Brandon Harris pitched in. That was an all-hands-on-deck uh, recruitment. But I would give the win in that one to, to Pete Kwiatkowski and Terry Joseph, who's the area recruiter there. Um, but, yeah, when you look at what Bo's done with the guys they do have in that group, I think he came in with a serious rep as a, as a, as a great recruiter. And he's starting to show it. He's starting to flex a little bit. And so now we'll kind of, and it, you know, with what we've heard with the defensive line in camp, we're going to get to see how serious of a developer he is as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, this is a big win out of the state of Louisiana. Uh, you mentioned Terry Joseph and that him being the area recruiter for the state of Louisiana. Um, you know, kind of looking forward to 2023, and I kind of noticed it today, and, and we'll get into it with all the 2023 action that had happened today. Um, but you, there's a lot of kids from Louisiana who, you know, are posting graphics and, you know, showing legitimate interest in, in Texas. And, you know, I'm very curious to see, you know, how, how much of a pipeline state Louisiana becomes in the, in the coming years. Obviously, it's always been a pipeline for Texas, but how much more serious does it get under Terry Joseph? I think that's really intriguing now that they were able to go into, uh, you know, Scottsville and, and grab um, Jay Montat basically out of nowhere. So, uh, you know, what else can they do in the future? I think that's going to be exciting to watch. I mean, they've uh, it all starts with Louisiana's number one resident, right? Arch Manning in 23. If they can <laughs> get sure. him, I think, you know, that really the SEC to me provides a bridge from Texas to Louisiana. It did for A&M and A&M early, you know, in the Sumlin area was able to capitalize on kids from Louisiana, which is a state that by and large, by the numbers, doesn't produce a ton of talent. But its top-end talent is as good as anybody's in the country. So if you could tap into that and take one or two guys to gear uh, from that group, I think that, that you could build a good team. Texas has been able to take a couple guys each year. Um, but they haven't really gotten to that upper crust, right? A lot of those guys, when you look at, uh, you know, the Malcolm Roaches of the world, who was a very good player but wasn't really pursued by LSU, when you look at um, – uh, Casey Kane or, uh, you know, the, the number of guys that they've gotten out of the state in the last couple of years, you, they, they kind of seem like leftovers for LSU, whereas Jamon Tapp was a, was a top target for LSU. So if you could get in there and get one or two guys that LSU wants, by the way, Texas is not going anywhere on Shaz Preston. I'm not here to tell you that they're going to win that recruitment, but they're very much still in that recruitment um, and right in the thick of it from everything I hear. So, um, that's another one. Like if they win Shad's Preston, that's a massive, massive win over schools like Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. And so I just think at this point, you know, um, it, Louisiana has to become a pipeline state and it's got to become a big, a big, big time talent producer for them. Um, Nick, you did mention that the 2023s were contacted. Today is September 1st as we are recording this, which means at midnight uh, this morning or, or last night or however you want to say it, Schools could officially start reaching out and they can officially start, uh, you know, sending graphics and, you know, the pictures that guys take on campus. If you're not aware of this, if you're a sophomore, anytime before September 1st of your uh, junior year, you can't post an official picture of you, um, you know, on campus in those photo shoots they do. That's why you kind of always see the guys dressed up, but it's taken with somebody's cell phone. So at September, you know, at midnight, they could start sending kids those pictures. They could start putting them in graphics. And I thought the Texas graphics were pretty unique uh, this year. They did kind of a magazine layout, it looked like, with guys on the cover. And if you look closely kind of at the, at the, at the details, um, they, they would kind of mention something significant about each guy in, in a part of the graphic, like it was like a little blurb on the magazine. I thought that was a pretty unique concept for them this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, from from the early indications, uh, the early indications are that, uh, you know, Texas was able to make, you know, quite a bit of noise last night and, and today and reaching out to 2023 recruits. They were definitely feeling the love. I talked to and me and Mike both talked to a ton of recruits today, you know, who, uh, you know, said positive things about Texas and, you know, kind of where they they stand on their September 1st. So, 
Um, for 2023 recruits, this is arguably the biggest day they've had so far in their recruitment. And um, this kind of just kind of shows which uh, coaching staffs are, you know, uh, really uh, intriguing when it comes to recruits and, you know, which coaching staffs are prioritizing different recruits. So we were able to get a clearer picture of that today. And, um, you know, Mike, you got some good intel on, you know, Arch and John, John Cook last night. I'll, I'll go ahead and let you speak on that. But, uh, you know, Ruben Owens said that he, he felt the love from Texas. Steve Sarkeesian, Stan Drayton and Brandon Harris all reached out right at midnight. Um, so, you know, they're doing really good with these big uh, top 23, t- top 2023 targets. There were times under the last couple of staffs where I thought, okay, here's it's, it's midnight, September 1st or whatever. We're going to get a ton. And, and you would hear some feedback, but it was like, uh, yeah, Texas reached out, but it wasn't. And, and the feedback I got this time was a lot more positive. And I think a lot of that is Steve Sarkeesian. He is so much more hands-on as a recruiter than Tom Herman was uh, for a head coach. And so, um, when you hear Arch Manning, or I'm sorry, when you hear uh, Ruben Owens say, yeah, you know, I, I heard from all three of those guys. Jonte Cook told me, I heard from Chris Gilbert, Andre Coleman, and Steve Sarkeesian right off the bat. He was actually on FaceTime with Arch Manning at midnight to kind of see they were joking about who would get called first. And Jonte said his phone went off about the same time Arch's did, um, and it was Sark calling Arch and, and Andre Coleman reaching out to Jonte Cook. I texted Jonte right after midnight and said, okay, who was first? Cause me and him were kind of joking all day. And he, you know, early on, he thought he said it'll either be Texas or Notre Dame. I got a feeling. Um, and so I said, who's first. And he was like, you know, who was first. It was Texas. Uh, he was like, it felt like it came at 11 59 So um, I, I, you know, nobody wins a recruitment on a day like this, but it is significant that I think I thought Texas was kind of all over the timeline. They were one of the schools I saw. Obviously, we follow a lot of kids being recruited by Texas, so your timeline is skewed. But, you know, we saw a ton of edits today, a ton of graphics, and, and I thought Texas was pretty well represented uh, on that day. Yeah, absolutely. They, they reached out to a ton of recruits. And, you know, like I said, they tapped into Louisiana, saw a lot of Louisiana love. Um, saw kids from California, Washington, uh, Leona Leifau from uh, Hawaii posted a graphic earlier today. So, you know, they were active across the country. And I I wonder how they handled the uh, Leona's situation, because I don't think it would have been midnight in Hawaii until like 6 a.m. in Austin. So I wonder if, uh, you know, one one coach or or one uh, recruiting assistant had to bite the bullet and stay up and and make sure to send him the the edit right at midnight in Hawaii. I'm, I'm curious about that. Stay up or get up. You know, I mean, a lot of guys on the staff are getting up about that time. Yeah, I think, um, man, that's a recruitment we really we've we've talked a little bit about it, but I don't think people understand how much Texas is in that recruitment. You know, I've heard a lot of positive things. You've talked to Leona LaFowle a couple of times and he's just been really positive about Texas. I think there's a chance. I mean, uh, better than zero chance, probably a better than, you know, 25 percent chance, I think that. Um, he could be the first guy that they really get from Hawaii. And, oh, Lord, am I praying for that? Because a trip to, uh, to Hawaii would be in my future if that happened. Yeah, we might have to just combo trip. I'll just tag along. You can get the content, but I'll just tag along. I'll be in a suitcase. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to leg wrestle for that one. Um, all right. Uh, anything else you want to do on 23s before we move on to our high school segment? No, that's about it. You know, I, I am curious to see as the season goes on, which 2023 recruits they really start to prioritize and, you know, which 2023 recruits really start to rise and show that they're, you know, elite talents. I think that's going to be, you know, the best things this year, but that's about it. 
We hope you're enjoying this week's episode of The State of Recruiting. We'll be back with the second half after a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Nick, I'm going to call an audible here, something we didn't talk about in pre-show. I'm going to put you on the spot because I did see there was some basketball news today with a big-time prospect um, who's making an official visit this weekend. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Richardson five-star combo guard, Kaysen Wallace, who if you've been paying attention to our basketball recruiting coverage on Horns 24-7, uh, he's the top target right now uh, on the Texas uh, recruiting st- uh, Texas basketball staff. They're bringing him in for an official visit this weekend for the game against uh, UL Lafayette. Um, I think that's going to be his first day. September 4th uh, will be his first day on the visit. Him and his family, they'll go to the game, uh, you know, have a good time. Um, and then, you know, Saturday and Sunday, they'll, they'll be sure to wine and dine them and, and do everything else to, you know, make them feel at home. But, you know, Texas is right in the thick of that recruitment. Um, he just posted a top four today of Texas, Tennessee, Kentucky, and UTSA. Um, you know, I'm kind of – I'm not discounting UTSA, but, but look, you know, it's going to come down to the blue bloods of Tennessee, Kentucky, and, and Texas here. Um, he's going to take a, a, an official visit to all three this fall. Um, and, uh, you know, it's really important to keep an eye on Jay Lucas, the assistant coach over at Kentucky, who was once on the Texas staff and is now, you know, one of uh, Kentucky's biggest recruiters on staff. Uh, he's been doing a great job in the state of Texas last year. He pulled Damian Collins uh, right out from under Texas. Um, uh, right, uh, I think it was right before the fall. Uh, when Damian made his commitment. So, you know, Jay Lucas is looking to keep that going here in the state of Texas uh, this year. Uh, that's where the crystal ball, um, you know, percentages are, are favoring right now is Kentucky. Uh, but that being said, Texas has made up a lot of gr- ground in this recruitment since they really started to prioritize Wallace. Um, you know, in June and July, uh, during the live evaluation periods, the Texas staff spent a ton of time seeing Kaysen going out on the road and making sure, you know, multiple coaches were, you know, at each of his games on the AAU circuit. And he really started to feel the love. And, you know, that's the reason they're in the top three and they're getting an official visit, um, you know, so soon. And, uh, you know, if they can really show this weekend that, uh, you know, that they're the place for Casey Wallace, then, 
Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Texas jumps out in the lead in this recruitment. Um, he's going to be making his commitment in November. I believe it's on November 12th. Uh, so he'll get time to think about all three of his visits and, you know, kind of where they stack up. But, you know, Texas is doing a phenomenal job behind Yurt Malagy and uh, Chris Beard. This is going to be an all-in effort to go after uh, Case and Wallace. Uh, and what, in the last month or so, you know, Texas has been swinging and missing on out-of-state recruits. So let's see if they can, you know, really hone in on this five-star in-state talent and join him along with Arterio Morris. I think that, that would be a hell of a backcourt uh, to have in 2022, and it would be great replacements for guys in the backcourt that will be leaving after this upcoming season. So uh, we'll see after that. We'll have uh, more intel after the weekend, obviously, and just stay tuned to Horns 24-7 on it. All right, we're going to get to our, our high school football segment next. Last year, if you'll remember, we did picks on the show. Um, what was the deal, Nick? We did like three uh, three uh, big games in a small school or something? Four big games in a small school, yeah. Four big, big games in a small school. We're going to bring that back. We forgot to do it last week, but Nick's got games for us today. We're going to figure out some payoff at the end of this. I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe it's just okay. dinner. I, I don't know. Um but uh, we'll do that and try to track them week by week. So, Nick, who do we got? Right. By the way, I'm um, glad we didn't pick games last week because uh, I, not that I would have picked Duncanville over modern day, but I was in the booth and absolutely got asked between uh, Ryan and Longview who I thought and said I thought Longview would win by, uh, by a lot. So uh, I'm glad we didn't pick last week. Yeah, I probably would have gotten one on you there. I probably would have picked Ryan. So uh, we do have Ryan on here, so – uh, we'll get to that. But our first game is Lake Travis and Converse Judson. Lake Travis last week had a big win against Arlington Martin at home. Converse Judson had a big win at home against DeSoto. And uh, it's going to be at, at Lake Travis on Friday night. Who do you got in that one, Mike? Ooh, it's at Lake Travis. Converse Judson with a big win in week one over DeSoto. They do have a, a pretty strong defense, I think, led by Johnny Bowens up front. That said, I'm going to listen to you on this one. I think you told me Lake Travis is kind of back. Um, I'm going to go with, with the Cavs. Yeah, I'm going to have to roll with you there. Uh, Converse Judson does have, you know, a pretty strong defensive front. Um, but I was really impressed by Lake Travis's offensive line last week. There's a 2024 offensive tackle. Um, I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to butcher it, but I've tweeted about him many times. Please feel free to go back and look at my tweets. You know, I think he's really going to be a guy in the 24 class that will be recruited nationally. And, you know, I was really impressed by him last week. I think the offensive line will be the difference in that game. I'm taking Lake Travis as well. Um, in our second game of the week, it's the uh, – I don't know the, the name of the but I, I feel like it has one. But I'm just going to call it the Clash of Denton. Denton Ryan and Denton Geyer. This is a game that's been fun many, many years in the past. Uh, who do you got in this one? This is a tough one. Will I pick me, Mike Roach, noted Ryan Homer. Um, can I pick against Ryan two weeks in a row? I was looking at this one on the schedule today, and I'm trying to think how it breaks down. So Geyer has a really strong defense and showed that off last week. Ryan also has a really strong defense. I think from what I've heard about last week, though, Geyer showed some, some problems up front, which worries me a little bit. That said – I think if both teams have good defenses, I have to go with the more proven quarterback. Both these quarterbacks are brand new, but I think Jackson Arnold has shown more in seven on seven, the off season. I'm boy. If, if Aaron De La Tour ever hears this, he's, he may not let me come back to, uh, to, uh, to Ryan. Uh, 
I'm going to go with Geyer um, in this one. Interesting. Interesting. You know, I think this is one in the trenches as well. I think the difference is uh, Ditton Ryan's front seven, and I'm going to take Ditton Ryan in this one. Um, you did say their offense is a little bit unproven. I do agree. Uh, Caleb Hicks did look really, really good last week. As long as he can find some holes and, you know, get 100 yards, I think they win this game. Uh, I'm taking Denton Ryan. Um, in our third game of the week, we got uh, at Chaparral Stadium down in Austin, Texas, Austin Westlake and U.S. Trinity. U.S. Trinity led by Oklahoma State uh, running back commit Ollie Gordon, who is doing it all for them this year. And then Westlake, you know, they need, they need no introduction. So who do you got in that one, Mike? Um, I look, this is another one I looked at today and just kind of stared at it and thought, what's going to happen here? So, um, this is, I feel like, by the way, Nick, you've stacked the games against me. You've seen all of these teams play uh, pretty much. I mean, you saw Lake Travis, you saw Trinity, did you not? I did. I did. And you saw both, uh, you didn't see Guy, but you saw Ryan. Um, <laughs> Man, I love Ollie Gordon. I love what they're able to do. And I think Trinity is going to be nasty this year, but I can't pick against the Chaps at home. Look, give me Westlake. Gotcha. All right. Um, I'm going to take Westlake as well. You know, defending state champions. Um, I don't think I don't think anyone's stopping them this year. And uh, I don't think Elis Trinity is going to put up much of a fight, actually. I think, oh. Westlake, I think Westlake's going to win this one pretty handily. You're picking you a blowout. Uh, yeah, I think I am. I'm saying 20 points plus. I think Westlake, I think Westlake handles them. Uh, okay. Um, okay. Let's go with this then. Since we both picked the team, I'll get, if they, you, you want to say a 20 point spread on it? I'll take that 19 and a half. Just so they, okay. So if they go 20 or over, I'll give you, we'll, we'll give you the point on the, on the, uh, on the win. I'm with that. I'm with that. Let's, let's get fun with it. Um, our, uh, I, won't, I won't take a loss, but you'll just get the win. I'll just okay. get basically like a push. Okay, I feel that. Okay. Um, our fourth game of the week, you know, I was toying be, uh, between two games. Um, I really wanted to put Rockwall, Heath, and Southlake in this in this slot because I feel like there's just going to be 150 points in that game, and it's going to be a lot of fun. But I feel like we both picked Southlake. Uh, so instead, for the fourth game, I'm going to do Allen and Atascacita. Uh, that's going to be the game you're going to be at on Friday night, Mike. I think it's going to be really competitive. Who do you have in that one? Oh, also, Allen has never lost – in Eagle Stadium since it opened in 2012. I think that's in jeopardy this week. So I seem to remember we – Allen played Atascacita at home last year. I know this because I tried to go to it last year and was denied. I also know this because I'm pretty sure it was a pick on our show, and I picked Atascacita to be the first team to beat Allen at home, and Atascacita got beat by 100. I am going to learn my lesson. I think Allen, while they're not – the Allen of old is still Allen. It's still at home. It's still Eagle Stadium. And uh, while I like a lot of pieces that Tascacita has, I still don't feel like they have that one guy that could just take over a game offensively. Whereas I feel Allen does have some weapons that can, you know, they ran the ball really well last week. They've got, they've got a really strong defense. I'm going to go with Allen in this one. Yeah, I'm going to go with Allen as well. I, man, I am so jealous that you and all the other media mafia members that are in attendance of that game are going to be able to see DJ Hicks up against Cam Dewberry. I think that's going to be one of the more uh, fun matchups we see in the trenches all year. That's going to be a ton of fun. Um, I'm also going to take Allen. I think it's going to be a really close game, though. I think it's uh, um, you know decided between five to ten points, um, and Allen takes it at the end. I think it's going to be a really good game, but I'm going to take Allen in that one. 
And then in our small school game of the week, uh, Mike, I think you're going to be really conflicted in this one. Um, Argyle and Pleasant Grove. <laughs> There's no conflicting. Um, <laughs> man, I really don't know a lot about what Argyle has this year. I know they beat uh, Nolan Catholic last week, which doesn't tell me a lot about Argyle, frankly. Um, and they pasted Pleasant Grove last year. I was at that game. I would be on board with with uh, with the Hawks if they had not lost their top two quarterbacks to injury last week. I just – Coach Gibson, please forgive me. I can't pick you down to your third-string quarterback. So, uh, give me Argyle. Yeah, I'm going to have to take Argyle as well. I don't think you get rich betting against Argyle. Uh, and, you know, they've been proving that they're one of the best, if not the best, small school in the state. So, uh, I'm going to take Argyle as well. And that does it for our pickups. All right. Well, Nick, we, we kind of mentioned it, but um, who, uh, you know, who, tell us about the games you saw last week and, and where you're headed this week, and then I'll follow suit. Absolutely. On uh, Thursday night to open the season um, last week, I went and saw Arlington Lamar and Euless Trinity at Peddington Field and HEBISD. Um, had a lot of fun. I always love seeing Euless Trinity, just a really cool football culture down there. Um, and I uh, got to see 2023 offensive tackle target Isaiah Robinson at Arlington Lamar. Uh, he looked pretty good. He's been battling a knee injury that he suffered on like the first day of fall camp. Um, so he's been, you know, working steadily to get back. And he said Thursday night was the best he had felt in a really long time. And he was excited to, uh, you know, get healthier as the season goes on. Um, so I don't feel like I got a, you know, fair data point from him on Thursday night. That being said, he still looked pretty good. Um, you know, I was even texting Mike about it uh, during the game. You know, I was like, you know, Isaiah Robinson's pretty good considering, you know, what he's been having to deal with in the past few weeks. Um, but there's obviously things to improve on. Um, talking about his recruitment, Texas and USC are the two schools standing out for him right now. So this is definitely going to be one we're going to be watching pretty closely over the course of the next year and a half. Um, I think that's, that's one Texas fan should definitely be keeping an eye on. Uh, and then on Friday night, went down to the 512 and checked out uh, Lake Travis and Arlington Martin. And, you know, it, it was a really cool environment, and I had forgotten how much I missed the, you know, full-capacity stadiums um, and the, the, the great environments at high school football games. And I, I didn't really think about it until, you know, I stepped on the field when Lake Travis was coming out of their tunnel, and, um, you know, every single seat in Cavalier Stadium was filled, you know, screaming at the top of their lungs. It was a very cool environment. Um, Lake Travis had themselves a pretty good night, uh, won the game 40 to 28 over, um, Arlington Martin. Uh, I feel like that was one of the better games of the, in the state last week, probably the best game in the state last week. Um, and, uh, Bo Edmondson, 2023 quarterback, we'll start with him at Lake Travis. Um, I, I've been telling this to people all week. He doesn't do anything flashy. He doesn't do anything that'll be like, oh, wow, look at Bo Edmondson right there. But he does do things that just, uh, you know, get, get the job done. Um, he, he wins ball games. He makes great decisions. Um, he's very methodical in his process. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to be a really good quarterback when it's all said and done, you know, I'm kind of keeping an eye on him in this 2023 quarterback race, which is still pretty much out in the open in the state of Texas. Uh, you got guys like Caden Anderson at South Lake Carroll, uh, obviously Bo, um, Brennan store at Highland park, um, Jackson Arnold at Denton Geyer who are all kind of vying for that number one spot because I don't feel like it's solidified right now. So we'll be, we'll be able to see by the end of the season, you know, who kind of takes over uh, as the number one quarterback in the state. And, you know, I think Bo Edmondson should be in that conversation. Um, and then looking at Texas targets in that game, 
Uh, we can start with Travell Johnson, who's the 2022 um, linebacker commit for Texas. It's going to be his final high school game, unfortunately, uh, that I saw uh, him play on Friday night. He's been battling uh, a hip and shoulder injury for much of the offseason. Uh, I believe he suffered it during fall camp. Mike have a, may have a little bit more perspective on that. Um, but uh, he, he suffered that injury over the summer. Um, and whenever he got into the game on Friday night, he just didn't look comfortable. Um, he wasn't really attacking like he typically was. And you could just tell that, you know, he was off. And then uh, on Monday, he, he went on Twitter on Monday morning and said he was shutting it down for the season, having surgery and uh, getting healthy before he gets to Austin. So we're wishing the best for Travell and his recovery. Uh, talking about the other uh, Texas target in that game, JV and Taviano, the five-star now, a cornerback at uh, Arlington Martin. Yeah, I've been telling this to people this week as well. I think there's three players in the 2023 class in the state of Texas that I think for sure will be playing on Sundays one day. Uh, Ruben Owens, David Hicks, and JV and Taviano. Uh, Taviano was an absolute freak. Uh, he did pretty pretty damn well in holding down Caleb Burton, the five-star 2022 Ohio State commit. That being said, uh, Burton was coming off an uh, ACL injury from last year. This was his first action back, so he's still kind of working back, you know, uh, through his progressions. But, um, uh, you know, T Taviano looked really good. Um, you know, I think he's going to have some really strong film at the end of the year. I'm excited to see what he can put together. And then on, uh, on Saturday, we, uh, me and Mike both saw Ditton Ryan and Longview. Um, I'll speak on a couple uh, targets, and I'll let Mike speak on a couple more. Uh, the ones I talked to after the game uh, were Austin Jordan, the 2022 four-star uh, cornerback commit for Texas. Um, you know, I think he, has some, he had some trouble tackling during the game, so I think that's one thing he'll probably need to work on as the season goes on. But looking at him in coverage, I think he looks a lot better than he did last year. Um, you know, I think he's really starting to improve in his coverage game. Um, he held down, you know, most of the receivers that he was guarding all, all day. He wasn't really matched up with Jalen Hale that much during the, during the afternoon. Uh, but that being said, when he was on him, you know, he did his thing and, you know, was staying on top of him. Um, and then uh, the other recruit that I spoke to after the game was Caleb Hicks, the 2023 running back at Denton Ryan, who just had a, who, who had a monster game. I think he's going to have a really strong season. I think he's going to become, you know, one of the more nationally recruited recruits uh, at the running back position in the state of Texas. So that's definitely one to keep an eye on. Texas does, does not have an offer out. They're going to be going all in on Ruben Owens until, uh, you know, they have a reason to, to not do that. So um, uh, definitely a running back to keep an eye on. And then later on Saturday night, I went over to Globe Life Park, which actually, you know, I told uh, tell, people, tell the story. <laughs> I told the people I was going to tell the story on the podcast this week. So I have to. Um, so about a month ago, before the season started, I uh, went into my notes app on my phone and I started constructing, you know, a very big spreadsheet type schedule uh, for my season. I do it every year. And, uh, you know, I go into Max Preps, I go on to Pigskin Prep, which is a really good website uh, here in the state of Texas that, you know, does really good with scheduling and, and whatnot. Uh, but when it comes to private school games, you're pretty much limited to Max Preps. And so I, uh, I went on Max Preps and it said uh, this game between Colleyville Covenant and Grapevine Faith was going to be at Colleyville Covenant High School. I was like, all right, perfect. That's about 15 minutes from where I live. I can hit that game. Not too bad of a drive after the game, get home, you know, sleep tight. I pull up to Colleyville Covenant about an hour and a half before the game. Fortunately, I was really early because little did I know I would need a lot of time to get to where I actually needed to be. Hey, wait a uh, minute. Wait a minute. Here's something you failed to mention. So we went to eat after the Ditton Ryan Longview game and we were all headed out. All of us, you know, me, Guy, Colin, we're all headed over to McKinney to see McKinney play that night. And you were going out to this other game. 
And I said to you, well, we better get going, Nick. You better get going, too. And you blew me off and were like, I've got plenty of time. So keep that in context as we continue to go through this story. Unfortunately, I did have a lot of time because I needed it. The, the game didn't start till 7.30, and I pulled up to uh, Colleyville Covenant High School at about 6 o'clock to uh, a lot of 15-year-olds playing soccer. And I was, uh, you know, I was like, okay, this doesn't look too right. Um, started to look around, you know, didn't, didn't seem like there was about to be a football game played. So I, uh, I went online, looked at Max Preps, and it said uh, the game was at Grapevine Faith. And so I was like, oh, goodness, they, they changed it up on me. Oh, well, not too bad. Grapevine Faith is only about 10 minutes from here, and it's actually closer to home for me. So I was like, you know, this works out, whatever. It's kind of funny. This is the first time that I had ever showed up to the wrong stadium for a game. So I went on Twitter, you know, had a laugh about it, whatever. I pull up to Grapevine Faith about 10 to 15 minutes later, and there's not a soul there. There's no kids playing soccer. There's nothing going on. There's just grass blowing in the wind. And We've uh, all been there. Like the, the <laughs> feeling in your stomach when you pull up and you know, I mean, even a, a small private school game like that, there's going to be a couple cars there. At least there's going to be lights on. There's going to be noise. And you know, you just know when you pull up and it's just dead silent, the pit in your stomach, you're just like, what are we doing here? It's the worst. And I felt it twice within the span of like 30 minutes. Um, and there was no one there. And I was like, all right, what the hell's going on? So I go on Twitter and it took me a good five to 10 minutes of, you know, digging deep to find out that the game was actually at Glow Black Park, um, the former home of the Texas Rangers. So I, uh, I, I went to three stadiums within the span of like an hour and I, I made it to Globe Life with about 20 minutes before the game started. So, you know, I still had enough time, but man, it was, it was quite the journey. And if you're following me on Twitter, you know, a lot of people got a good laugh out of it. So uh, a funny little week one story, but talking about the game itself, I went to go see, I'm sure you're questioning why I was going to such a small private school game. At Colleyville Covenant, there is a, a four-star edge rusher, uh, Eno Etta, um, who uh, is, you know, really someone we're keeping an eye on. You know, our rankings guys really like Eno. He's ranked in our top 125 in uh, our class of 2023. Um, and, you know, talking to some some college coaches over the last week, you know, just over what I saw from Eno, um, a lot of people feel like he has a ton of upside and I have to agree. Um, obviously he doesn't play against the stiffest competition in the world, but he's dominating them like he should. Um, and, you know, once he gets into a college program with some college weight program, uh, some strength and conditioning and, you know, learn just a little bit of technique. And that's another thing that's kind of surprising to me is this technique is still pretty, pretty dang good, you know, considering, um, you know, the level of uh, a talent he's, he's playing up against. So, um, you know, he was very fun to watch. And, you know, I hope to see him later in the season just because they were playing a bigger private school. Uh, so their team didn't quite, uh, you know, had the performance that they've had in the past. Uh, they were uh, division three state champions last year in, uh, in taps. So um, hoping to see them against, you know, a smaller private school somewhere down the line if I have some time. But, you know, that's definitely an intriguing prospect. Texas does not have an offer out on him. But, you know, in the event that, that um, they do offer one day, you know, we'll have the we'll have the latest on there. So. Uh, that, that was my journey this week, and it was uh, quite fun. It was good to be back on the road. Crazy day indeed. Um, all right. So Thursday night, I, I mentioned last week that I had some plans go up in the air. Obviously, I was dealing with, um, with some, some health issues with my wife and, and needed to be close to home. So um, I went out to see South Grand Prairie and Prosper play. Um, I had a buddy who coaches at South Grand Prairie. I got a couple kids on that team I really like. I think could turn into players in the next couple of years. Uh, but unfortunately, it was not to be for the Warriors as Prosper um, 
ended up uh, beating them pretty handily. I think it was 31 to 20 by the end of it. Uh, it was a fun little game, fun little way to start the year. But Friday was really the main event. And um, I was excited to go see Duncanville modern day. I, I didn't think Duncanville was going to win, but I didn't have um, getting completely outclassed and blown out on my card. Um, and so uh, it was fun for about five minutes. And then uh, modern day really took over and it was uh, ugly, a 45 to three win uh, for modern day. And I've issued a lot of thoughts this week on the the wisdom of one-off games and what they mean for football supremacy and all those sorts of things. So uh, I'm not going to get into that here, but, um, you know, saw a couple of Texas targets, commits, whatever in that game. Um, Amaria Bohr on, on defense for, for Duncanville. This is really the first time I've ever seen him look ordinary. You know, he got, shut down in the first half and and basically said as much to me after the game. He was not happy with the way he played. Came back in the second half, made a couple of plays, but it was not the Amaria board we were used to seeing. Um, Owen Carey, the Texas commit, it was my first chance to see him, and I'm going to see him again in a couple of weeks, so I, I, I'm really excited to kind of see what the second viewing of him looks like. I thought that you know, he was the guy that moved really well. He was constantly in position. He was constantly there. He just didn't always finish on the play. And that's kind of, you know, where I'd like to see him do a little more. Uh, Cam Williams is a guy that, you know, committed to, to Oregon, but Texas still very much in contact with the massive Duncanville offensive lineman. I thought he actually, uh, of all the Duncanville guys I watched, probably had the best day. Um and then C.J. Williams, who Texas is still talking to as well from modern day, committed to Notre Dame, is uh, he had a really strong game. I thought he, he went vertical well, caught the ball well, showed some tough, uh, some toughness over the middle as well. So um, all in all, it was a uh, it was a thrashing. And, and that's kind of all I saw that week was just was just beatdowns. Um, as I mentioned, I picked uh, I picked Longview over Ryan just simply questions about Ryan's uh, quarterback and, and all the guys they were replacing. And uh, boy, was I wrong. And so um, I, I think you talked about Austin Jordan. You mentioned Caleb Hicks. I'll say this about Hicks. I love the running back. I love the player. I hate the track times. I went and looked up the athletic contacts numbers afterwards. And I think his personal best is 11-6-100, which is not uh, what anybody's looking for out of a running back. So uh, interested to see kind of if he runs a little better this uh, this spring. Um, in that game, I talked about Anthony Hill on Twitter. I think Anthony Hill's got to be like one of the best pure football players I've ever covered already. I mean, he's only played basically a year, but man, that guy is in on everything. He's in on every tackle. He's just a ball player. Like he is a heat-seeking missile. Um, he's, he's what I like to call ball-playing SOB. So um, – you know, he's really good. Texas is in good standing with him. I wrote a story on him today where I, you know, the quotes probably weren't as warm because he was talking to like six reporters on the field after a big win and, you know, just wasn't really in the recruiting mindset, but be, make no mistake. Texas is certainly in that recruitment strong. Um, and then uh, you mentioned Austin Jordan. Yeah, I would, I would like to see Austin Jordan finish tackles a little better. Um, Saturday night after that, I went to, uh, went to, uh, McKinney to see them against uh, Springdale, Arkansas. I think it's Harbear or Arbear team. Um, really, a, a, 
you know, a game where, where Springdale gave them a lot more trouble than I thought they would. Uh, McKinney pulled it out at the very end, 135 to 28. So finally a team got a win for the great state of Texas in a neutral site game, but uh, not a lot of Texas prospects. And that one put some really good young players we were able to see. Nick, did you already say um, uh, who you're, who you're seeing this week? No, I did not. I'll go ahead and roll with that. Uh, tomorrow night on Thursday night, um, Going to head out to Rockwall and see my alma mater, Rockwall Heath, against South Lake Carroll. Um, really excited to see 2023 quarterback Caden Anderson for South Lake Carroll. Um, and also the uh, offensive weapons that Rockwall Heath has. Um, they're, they're the only state in the, team of te- in the state of Texas. They're the only team in the state of Texas that has uh, four Power Five commits on their offense. So there's definitely firepower all around, uh, starting with quarterback Josh Hoover, who's committed to Indiana. Uh, running back Zach Evans committed to Mississippi and then wide receivers Jay Fair and Jordan Neighbors committed to Auburn and Baylor respectively. So excited to see that game. I feel like there's going to be a ton of points. I think that game last year ended like 65 to 52 or something like that. So uh, definitely expecting to see some firepower. And then on Friday night, heading down to El Campo to see five-star running back Ruben Owens against Full Shear. I'm hearing that's a rivalry game, and it's a, a really good uh, matchup this year between, you know, two pretty good teams down in 4A. Um, so I'm really excited to see that one and, and see how it shakes out. I think it's going to be a blast. And then on Saturday, I'm actually going to Texas and uh, UL Lafayette, just kind of um, uh, going as a spectator, um, going with our good friend Guy Frazier, actually. So I'm going to be roaming around on Bevo Boulevard before the game. If you see me, come say hi and say what's up, and we can chop it up. But um, really excited for this weekend. Don't. Uh, don't ride the Ferris wheel. I don't know if you saw that headline today. <laughs> exactly. Um, don't know if you saw that headline today, but it didn't look good. Um, all right. Uh, it's going to be a short week for me. I did have a Thursday night game planned. I was asked by the good people at Dave Campbell's Texas football to come in and be part of their watch along party that they're doing on Texan live. Um, it is free on Texan live. So if you want to tune in, you can watch me among others, among uh, Ishmael Johnson, Greg Tepper, Ashley Pickle, and, and our own Gabe Brooks. We're going to watch a game and basically comment on it. We're in a mystery science theater. It, uh, and the game is going to be Dickinson versus uh, Ridgepoint. So I, there's going to be some good talent in that game. We'll have a lot of fun. And uh, for me, you know, it was I did have a game, but I, I think this was just something I – it was too fun of, a, of an opportunity to turn down. So um, that's where I'll be on Thursday night. You can watch that on uh, texanlive.com for free with our good friends uh, at Texan Life. Nick's got uh, some good friends at Texan Life. Um, and then uh, Friday, as we mentioned earlier, Alan Atas Casita. Um, really looking forward to that game, seeing Camp Dewberry in action, getting to see David Hicks against him, Nato Umazulu, Zena Umazulu. So a lot of talent, a lot of guys to watch in that game and uh, should be a, a fun one from Allen Eagle Stadium. Saturdays are going to be tough for me this year just because I, I do like to be home to, to cover Texas games and kind of uh, get a feel for, you know, recruits after the game and stuff like that. So won't be a lot of Saturdays where I'm where I'm out. Uh, although I can think of a couple in the next week, a couple weeks where I will be out uh, on a Saturday. So um, that's it for us this week as far as high school coverage. Nick, before we get out of here, let's hop right into the mailbag. As always, you can get your mailbag questions into us uh, on the Horns 24-7 message board whenever we ask. So the only way to communicate with us, unless your name is Charles Daniels, who makes his return to the mailbag this week. Oh, wow. um, you, you have to be a Horns 24-7 message 
uh, message board member. Uh, from Dr. Fogg, is there anything to Campbell's tweet today? D Devon Campbell tweeted his top five. It's the same top five he released in July. I just, uh, I'll, I'll answer this one short and sweet, and Nick's probably not even going to need to chime in. Uh, I just think he wanted to retweet it and, uh, and, and have everybody go crazy again. Yeah, get some, get some retweets, get some follows, get some likes, you know. That's what the kids want. That's what we want, too, by the way. Go follow us on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Chris Daniels, 23, who could possibly be on Commitment Watch. A top five, perhaps. Um, I don't have a next five. I really don't. Um, you know, Bledsoe and Tap kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. Um, and so, you know, the numbers are getting slim. I know Texas – I talked to somebody the other night. Texas loves their chances with, with Brennan Thompson. They feel good about where things stand with Evan Stewart. Um, you know, I think if you look at uh, – oh, who am I missing here? Um, uh, Campbell is one of them, Devon Campbell. Um, I think if you look at uh, maybe Larry Turner couldn't. Those are guys I think could commit, um, guys I think could, could fill in in this class. Yeah, you pretty much hit on quite a bit. Um, you know, I think there will be – I'm not going to say that, actually. I think there will be a commitment in the next couple of months. Um, who it's from, not quite sure yet. Um, you mentioned Brendan Thompson. You know, I think that's one that happens during the season. Um, Larry Turner Gooden, I'm very curious to see how quick his timeline uh, kind of changes uh, after he takes his official visits to Penn Texas. And if he, if he even flips his commitment from Arizona State. So, um, you know, those were a couple of to watch. Always keeping an eye on Lander Barton out in Utah as well, who's scheduled to come in for an official visit. So um, keeping an eye on a bunch of guys, but I, I couldn't really point to one. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll do you one better. The same uh, source who kept telling me, hey, we've got uh, another one coming. I think we'll have another one within a week. Um, so we'll see about that. Uh from Den 12, do you think Texas still pursues another D-line uh, D lineman for the class of 2022, or are they done regardless of what Amari Abor or Quincy Wiggins decide to do? Call me crazy, but if Amari Abor or Quincy Wiggins want into this class, I think you make room for them, and I think Texas will. Yeah, absolutely. Those are two guys you save spots for, and you figure out the numbers and the situation later. Um. From in the mural 2011, one thing in recruiting this year that has completely surprised us both, and one thing that we foresaw happening that didn't. Um, I would just say overall, it's been an insane year with reads, like reading uh, reading recruitments. Um, I think that the amount of weird things that have happened this year, right? So if you go back to like Kelvin Banks, Basically, everybody he talked to being down to Texas and or at Texas A&M, and then Oregon coming out of nowhere, and then uh, you know Jeremy Patton uh, being all Texas until he was all Michigan, until he was all Baylor, um, and, and a dozen more things. You know, Terrence Brooks, who who seemed to be down to Texas and Bama, all of a sudden picking Ohio State. It's just been a really weird year for reads like that. Got a lot of schools coming out of nowhere. Uh, one thing that we foresaw happening that didn't. I thought Texas would get a bigger initial bump than they did. I think they're kind of getting it. And maybe not the bump they're they're earning their skins on the recruiting trail. Um, but I thought we'd get the, uh, the uh, more of a new car smell than they did. Um, the one thing that surprised me is pretty much the same as Mike, just kind of, you know, I think there's a lot more recruits in this cycle that, you know, have been kind of flipping things on a dime. And I think the official visit season in June really 
changed a lot. And, you know, that was something that um, was really tough to, you know, gauge and predict, you know, going in um, just because there had never been a time like that. And in the history of recruiting where, you know, every single recruit in the country was taking multiple visits within, you know, a four week time, time frame, And that obviously changed, you know, the opinions of tons of recruits. So um, just how much impact that it had, I think really surprised me. And I think Mike could kind of, you know, uh, relay that as well. And then one thing that I foresaw happening that didn't, I was actually thinking about this today while I was driving. Um, you know, I really thought by now that NIL would have a much bigger impact on recruiting than it's had so far. Um, and, you know, it's really not something that I've heard when I talk to recruits, uh, you know, when I'm asking recruits, you know, what's the biggest thing that's important to you in, in your recruitment? Uh, not many, not if any are saying, you know, NIL, they, they want to have good relationships with the coaches, they want to be developed for the next level. Um, you know, they want to be able to have early playing time. So maybe, you know, I thought NIL would have a bigger impact by now, but it hasn't. All right. From, uh, from D Kidman, uh, who are the, uh, we're not going to do final five players. in. I feel like we kind of just did that. Uh, will Texas lose a recruit due to being flipped? Will Texas flip a recruit from someone else? And what are offensive players wanting to see from Sark? Um, the last one, man, I I'll just echo this. I, I feel like I say it every week. There's not like, it's not like Evan Stewart tells me I need to see um, Xavier worthy average 111 yards a game and two touchdowns. They don't quantify it by numbers. You know, they want to see them win and they want to see those guys play exciting offense. So they want to see them develop. That's what they want. I don't know that you could boil it down to a number. Um, will Texas lose a recruit due to being flipped? I don't think so. Um, I'm, I'm scanning on the top of my head. The only guy I would keep an eye on is the newest commit, Jay Montap. Um, to with, with LSU, it's LSU's never out of the game for a Louisiana kid. Uh, will they flip a recruit from someone else? I can't say for sure who it would be, but I would bet they do at some point. Yeah. Uh, will they lose a recruit to being flipped? You mentioned Jay Montap. I'm actually going to mention Jeray Bledsoe really quick. I, I wonder if, you know, schools really start to hammer his line now that they know that the academic situation is figured out. And if Texas A&M misses on, you know, a couple of their top defensive line targets, you know, I really feel like that's one that they could, you know, sneak around in in a couple of months and maybe steal away from Texas. But that's going to be one that we're going to be really peeled on and making sure we're keeping you in the loop of. Uh, will they flip a recruit from someone else? You know, Larry Turner Gooden is always the one we, we answer when it uh, comes to this uh, question. Um, you know, I, I feel like that's the one Texas probably has the best chances with when it comes to flipping somebody. So I uh, probably want to keep an eye on. And for my answer for the last question there, just refer to Mike's for sure. Okay, uh, this from Horns fan uh, seven six one two. Uh, how are you guys feeling about Texas with Evan Stewart, Denver Harris, Harold Perkins, and Brandon Thompson? So I'll say I like their chances a lot better with the offensive guys than I do with the defensive guys. I, it's not that I there's anything I've heard on Harris that has made me kind of change my outlook on him, but I just. The longer it goes, the worse feeling I get on that. It's just a gut feel. There's nothing particular about it. It's just a gut feeling. And then Harold Perkins, I think there's some pretty strong evidence that Texas Adams way out in front there. So I, I, if I had to lay money down on it, I, I like their progress a lot more with the offensive guys than with the defensive guys. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'll start with Evan Stewart. You know, I think Texas is definitely still in that mix to get him back into class. Alabama's going to be tough. Florida's going to be tough. And even LSU and Texas A&M are making their pitches. So um, that's going to be one. Excuse me, I keep burping. Uh, that's going to be one that Texas is definitely going to have to prove on the field this year. 
Um, you know, hopefully that the, you know, they can get quite a bit of receiver production and be able to turn around and pitch that to Evan Denver Harris, you know, kind of refer to what Mike's saying, uh, you know, Alabama's definitely done a really good job in that recruitment. Um, you know, but I, I do think it comes down to Alabama and Texas Harold Perkins. I think Texas is in third in that race right now behind Texas A&M and LSU. Um, but I think it's a distant third, um, you know, right after the visit season, there was a lot of buzz around Harold Perkins, but, you know, now that the, the waters have kind of calmed down and, you know, he's been able to reevaluate his situation and, you know, get a good feel of, you know, everybody recruiting him pretty hard right now. I, I think it comes down to A&M being way out in front, LSU being, you know, somewhere in the middle there, and then Texas being pretty far behind uh, those top two. So um, that's kind of how I look at Perkins recruitment moving forward. And then Brendan Thompson just released the top three of Texas, Oklahoma State and uh, Texas A&M. He's going to take visits to all three schools before, um, you know, he, he commits maybe in the late fall to early winter. Um, it's going to really come down to, you know, which visit does the best with him. Um, you know, all three schools passed the test of being close to home and having good relationships with coaches. So now it's going to be, you know, hammering it, uh, hammering at home with, you know, those relationships with coaches, how he feels in the city, um, how he feels on the team and, and whatnot, but definitely a winnable recruitment for Texas. All right. Um, let's see here from a Longhorn fan 815. If Arch were to jump in after uh, Texas starts 3-0, how much of a boost would that add to finish the 22 class? I think it would definitely add some excitement. If you're looking like, hey, would Evan Stewart love it? I don't know that Evan Stewart knows who Arch Manning is. I mean, obviously he's heard the name, but like, I don't know that it it really does a lot with him. Maybe Shaz Preston. I know, <laughs> weirdly enough, when I was in New Orleans um, in the spring, I went and saw Arch, and then the next day went and saw Shaz. And when I got there, he was just, Shaz was like, who'd you see yesterday? And I told him Arch. And so we talked quite a bit about him. So I definitely think he knows who Arch is, obviously. Maybe that would help there, but... Uh, yeah, I think it would just overall kind of generate some excitement and probably get that 23 class rolling a little earlier than normal. Yeah, I mean, we kind of saw it a little bit last year um, when Quinn Ewers committed. Uh, I believe there was some there was quite a bit of momentum that kind of went into the 21 class. I'm not remembering off the top of my head who jumped in the class right after that, but there was definitely a lot of buzz around 21. And that was one of the questions we were asking the most is, you know, how do you feel about the Quinn Ewers uh, commitment? So um, you know, I, I think Arch Manning getting in the class would definitely help in 22, but uh, got to get over that hump first and get him in the class. That's a big task. I also think, and I could be wrong here. I don't, I haven't talked to Arch since April or whenever I was there, May. Um, I also think if you're looking for Arch Manning to make a move this season, I don't, I don't believe it happens. I don't believe he's a kid that's going to do it during the season. And I believe he wants to see how teams play out. I believe he probably wants to go do some game day visits and things like that. I just don't see it happening at this point. Um, all right. Uh, uh, let's see from uh, it's Jeremy P. If you could pick one D line to go head to head with one O line of your choice, who would they be and who would win? Um, I think I'm going to go, uh, David Hicks, who we mentioned earlier against, uh, Devon Campbell. I would love to see that matchup. Who would win? Ooh. I think like if you had a best of three, that's really tough to say. Campbell in camps, like in a camp setting, is really, really good, despite like him being an interior guy and maybe pass pro not being his forte. He's really good in those situations. Who did? I feel like he went up against uh, 
uh, Hicks at that camp we that Under Armour camp we went to, um, and he went up against I think Bear as well and and just shut him down. I I love Hicks. I gotta take Campbell though. He's my guy. Man, I'm trying to think who I would who I would put here. Um, I'm gonna switch it up a little bit. Put Kelvin Banks up against. Um, Kelvin Banks up against Amaria Bohr. You know, two really athletic guys. I think Amaria Bohr wins, but I think it would be a lot of fun. All right. And our final question from Charles Daniels. Hey, Mike and Nick, 23 prospects were up till midnight waiting on calls. If prospects had to call the colleges, who would have called Texas first? Um, I think Jonte would have been right in there. I think. Texas obviously feels strongly about Jonte. Jonte obviously feels strongly about Texas. I think that would have probably, I, I know there's an easy answer. Uh, there's a couple easy answers out there, but I'm going to go with Jonte. Jonte is a good one. Leona Leifau out of Hawaii, I think probably would have been one. He would have either called Texas or BYU first or Utah. Um, trying to think of another one in state. Like Vernon Glover, I think. Vernon Glover, and I would say Reuben Owens. I think Reuben Owens probably would have called Texas first. There's still a really good relationship there between Reuben Owens and the coaches. Um, yeah, I feel like Reuben Owens pro- definitely would have put Texas first. Absolutely. And that's going to do it for the mailbag, and that's going to do it for our show. We appreciate you guys for listening, uh, for following along, for playing along in the mailbag and, and interacting with the show. Um, we will, uh, we got a big week ahead. We will see you guys next week after the first Texas game under Steve Sarkeesian for Nick Harris. I'm Mike Roach. We'll see you next week. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.